0: Good morning, friends. Have you ever felt all alone in this world? Well, if so, maybe today's message uh, will be helpful. I'm going to call it feeling alone in the wilderness of life, and um, my base text is Psalm 78. But I want you to picture yourself being out in the middle of a wilderness for a moment. It's a place where you could walk uh, for a mile in in any direction, and everything kind of looks the same. You might even see a hill and you say, well, I'm going to climb over that hill. And you get to the hill and to the top and on the other side is just more of the same. Now, picture also yourself being completely surrounded by people. And still you feel like you're in that same kind of wilderness. You're kind of abandoned. You're kind of forgotten. You're discarded. You know, everything looks the same. I think all of us have been there at one time like that. Uh, you know, it's, sometimes it happens while you're waiting for the job interview. Sometimes you're hoping for good news from the doctor. You're watching money kind of dwindle away, or you worry about your kids, or your grandkids. Uh, you wonder if you can kind of just hang in there for another week. You're trying to forgive. You're finding it hard. Um, maybe you have a broken relationship of some kind, and you're you're trying to figure out how to get that back on on track. Uh, it could be that uh, you're just kind of stuck in the mud and wondering if things will ever change. It's kind of like in this current pandemic. Will we ever kind of get out of this and get back to what we think of as being normal? Well, all of that being said, I think there are times when all of us have kind of tense, fearful moments where we almost wonder whether God has plain, simple forgotten us. But it is much more the other way around. It's not that God has forgotten us. It is that we have forgotten God. But as you look at Psalm 78, I hope you notice the question down in verse 19. It says, can God set a table in the wilderness? See, at a table, the family comes together to share a meal. I've been doing that with a lot of family in the last week, sitting down with uh, my kids and grandson. Wedding reception last night, a rehearsal dinner the night before, you're sitting around and you're sharing life together. You get at that table and you find food and drink and fellowship and laughter and encouragement, and you're swapping stories about what's been happening. And there at that table, you suddenly discover, yeah, you're really not alone. You come and you find other people who know kind of what you're going through, and even though they know all your warts and bumps and blemishes, they still love you and they welcome you anyway. Well, in Psalm 23.5, David actually says to the Lord, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. See, in the New Testament, there you find the Lord's table. Sometimes we call it communion, the sacrament of the altar. Uh, it's where brothers and sisters in Christ meet together. Now, Jesus even told a, a kind of interesting story about a man who hosted a really big banquet uh, with many empty seats because some people were invited. They just decided not to show up, probably didn't even RSVP. So he told his servants to go out and find anyone anywhere who would come to his great feast, because he didn't want any seat left empty. He said in Luke fourteen, twenty one, Go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And, and when there were still empty seats, he sent his servants out, and again in verse twenty three he says, Go to the roads and county lanes, country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now, in other words, what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, if those people who've been invited first wouldn't come, then you've got to go out after the outcast who would have never otherwise come to such a fine affair. I mean, that's kind of how God does it. He goes after the people of the world, or the, the people that the world overlooks because, you know, the so-called beautiful people sometimes have no interest in coming to him for salvation. When we come to the Lord's table... Every earthly distinction just kind of goes by the wayside. We come just as we are, sinners in desperate need of the need of, the need of grace of God. We lay aside the things that separate us, things like our titles, our status, our race, our color, our language, our culture. We just, we just simply come because we're hungry and thirsty for being in the presence of the Lord. Now Jesus promised his disciples in Luke 22 that they would eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And in fact, if you get to Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, the last book in the entire Bible, there's a great final meal that's described. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. Now, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record this this feeding of the 5,000. And in Mark, it said he fed 5,000 people in a remote place, kind of a lonely place in the wilderness, Now, the disciples wanted to send the people away because they had no food. I mean, there wasn't a Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell or anywhere close. So Jesus told them to hang out, do it, and he would provide the food, and the disciples would actually serve the hungry crowd. Now, at the God's table, the food never runs out. No one ever goes away hungry. Now, those of you that have raised children or even had grandchildren living in your house for a while, you know that kids love to complain about their food. Now, you and I never did, but our kids do. I'm just kidding about that. You know, they don't like the spaghetti. They don't like broccoli. They don't like the Brussels sprouts. They're getting sick and tired of chocolate milk. and uh, They don't want to have a regular meal. They just want a donut for lunch. Or Why can't we have tacos again tonight? And I, I know there are many a mom and dad who've spent hours preparing a meal, only to have their kids ruin it with kind of snarky comments. Now, it was the same way in the wilderness for the people of God. You know, they, they were suddenly complaining that they weren't eating all this wonderful food back in Egypt. And they kind of wanted to go back. And when God said, okay, I can take care of this, and he provided manna and quail so that they wouldn't starve, it wasn't enough for them. Still, the food of Egypt seemed so much better. I mean, how boring to eat manna every day. And how many ways can you actually serve a quail? Now, I'm not surprised by their ungratefulness, considering how often I forget the Lord. How many times have I ever taken his blessings for granted? Uh, Just like the children of Israel, just think about that. He led them through the Red Sea. He delivered them from Pharaoh's power. He set them free from slavery, for heaven's sakes. He protected them from all of these plagues while they were there in Egypt. He led them with a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He actually gave them water that came out of a rock. But friends, it still wasn't enough. And it's never enough when you don't trust God. So they complained and said, Can God set a table in the wilderness? It looked impossible to them. So God rained down manna and quail, but still they doubted. Now, lest we say, Oh, the stupid Israelites. Guess what, friends? We're just like them. When we get in trouble, we cry out, "Oh no, God has forgotten us." Well, I got news for you: God has not forget- forgotten us. We have forgotten Him. We have no idea how much God or how much food God has prepared. We have no idea how much water is in the river of life. See, we act sometimes like we serve a poor God, as if God cannot afford to help His people. Now we often say, "Show me the money, <laughs> and let that rule everything for us." But in Jesus, all our, in Jesus are hid all the riches of, of heaven. The wilderness shows us both our weakness and how God can meet us in the most amazing ways. But friends, as long as you stay in Egypt, you'll never eat, you'll never need manna and quail, and you won't experience the miracle-working power of God either. Now I'm, let's be honest. The wilderness is not an easy place to be. I mean, it's dangerous, it's lonely, it's deadly, it's risky, it's hopeless. It's easy to get lost in the wilderness. (coughs) You may spend a long time there, but it's also a place where you learn your own limitations. It's a place where you can face your own failures. It's also a place where you can wrestle with temptation and listen to God's Word and see God's work in unusual ways or Learn to lean on Him or find strength that you didn't know that you had, or you learn to encounter the impossible and learn what God is really like. Now, where is your wilderness? Well, let me give you a few examples. Is your wilderness just an unpleasant person? Is it a difficult work situation? Is it learning to deal with grief? Is it losing your job? Is it dealing with the pandemic? Uh, is it your boring life? Is it fear that grips you? Is it cancer that grows inside of you, or maybe a parent that abandoned you or you got a sick child or paralyzing depression? or is it your church or your pastor? Uh, is it the town you really hate to be living in? or Is it the family you would rather not see? or is it you know a relationship that's slowly dying? Now, friends, can God prepare a table in a place like that? Can God meet you right where you are today? Can God spread a table amid your personal wilderness? Well, the answer is yes, he can. Why? Because that's exactly what God does. He meets us when we feel abandoned and forgotten, and he says, I will spread a table for you in this wilderness. But friends, you'll never know as long as you stay in Egypt. By definition, you need to be in the wilderness first. And then and only then can God set a table for you. Now before we leave this, let's remember that our Lord was led by the Spirit into a wilderness as well. You can read about that in Luke chapter 4. And there he experienced great temptation from the devil, but came out of it empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now let's be honest. The wilderness is never easy. But God has purposes for us in the wilderness that cannot be accomplished by staying in Egypt. Those who resolve to follow Jesus must eventually spend time in the desert with him. There in that solitary place, they gain what cannot be purchased many times through pain and suffering. Now, it was necessary for Jesus to go into the wilderness, and it's necessary for us also. I mean, think of it this way. The wilderness is not a fun place to be. You always end up feeling alone and exhausted. You may not fast for 40 days, but you will often come to the end of all human resources, and you will feel like giving in and giving up. You will wonder why God has abandoned you. Well, nothing will make sense, all will seem confusing. But friends, don't despair. Stand your ground. Remember the promises of God and cling to them. Don't turn back to the old ways of life. Don't give in to your emotions. Learn to lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ. God never leads us into the wilderness in order to destroy us. He intends the time of testing to make us stronger. I mean, think of what you find in the desert. Victory, holiness, spiritual growth, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. That's what you find there. I know it sounds odd, but it's far better to be in the wilderness with Jesus than in a fancy penthouse without him. I mean, life isn't, isn't about your dreams or your agenda, your hopes or your ideas or your plans. Life is all about God's dreams and God's agenda and God's ideas and God's plans. It's his kingdom we're praying to come, not ours. So, can God set a table in the wilderness? Yes, he can. And yes, he does. And yes, he will. You can count on it. And to that, let all of God's people say, Amen. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.